Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Aged Out Reacts with the two hosts of the Aged Out Podcast, Mike Fantini and Evan Worrell. And as you can see in today's video title, we are hanging out with the man, the myth, the legend himself, Tom Unkst, to react to some cadets 2022 from their finals lot warm up and kind of just similar to if you've seen those videos from last year with Macintosh and Rarick and just kind of get some insights into the book, maybe what he was thinking at different moments when he was writing and just kind of get some insight and hang out and you know I bumped into him at, at finals in the lot and got talking for a few minutes and we've already had him on on the podcast once so I was like he was totally down to come back and hang out and do it again and kind of watch some drums and talk about it from the summer so what's up Tom it's great thanks for joining us yeah well thanks for having me again um and I think listening I love listening to your podcast it's always uh you know entertaining and i guess uh, uplifting as far as learning some stuff from different guys so i'm happy to be here yeah we appreciate it uh i'm sure too that you guys were pretty excited and eager to get back to like a competitive year i think 2021 was just awesome in the spirit of drum corps and like what everybody was doing just like hey we want to do this activity because we love it but there is also a little bit of just like added you know hype around the competition and just getting in there and grinding how was the first year back in the back in the competitive scene well i, I think everyone was excited you know it was get to to get back to you know normal um we we basically had a, a core and i think a lot of cores did you didn't have a lot of road tested kits you know you had right you know usually there'll be maybe half the core or something like that that has marched somewhere else before. Now we had some of that, but those kids that marched before where it was two, it was 2021 and that wasn't a full tour. So I want to say we only had, I'm not sure the exact number, but it was only, it was under about 10 kids that had marched in a competitive world-class DCI core. Uh, you wow. know, some of that was from, yeah, from eight, from 19, I believe, but, um, yeah, so they were, it, it wasn't a, you know, a competitive road test, the core. So it was, uh, it was really interesting. It was, we, there were a lot of, we had to really teach the kids do everything, um, from, you know, like how to load the truck. Cause we didn't, we, we didn't really have a lot of people that understood how to load the truck to, um, all right, well now you got to load the buses or the culture. Now that sometimes that's a good thing too, right? If you're trying to upgrade the culture and change things and you know at the cadets we're definitely trying to do that so you know that was good have conversations about vintage cadets but yeah we want to move forward so um it, it was good it was it was exciting to be back and competing and you know and all that but um you know like i think i told you guys before we started i, I did nine weeks of of tour and i'm going to be 60 coming up in january um it was a lot. It was a lot. <laughs> Speaking of vintage and also like changing culture and moving forward, I know I'd said this on a previous podcast and reaction video to you guys as well, but whoever was involved in the uniform design process, I think really nailed it for you guys in combining a traditional style with something that's a more modern take, uh, having the pants that look very traditional, but the top kind of that sublimated built-in screen print of what the the buckle and the sash used to be but it's obviously more breathable and probably a lot less uh warm than traditional wool or whatever yeah well so after after 2021 you know we all kind of said as a design team that you know 2021 people really enjoyed the uniform and that look and to bring all that back that was that was kind of a hype for I think audiences and alumni and for sure. kids and the whole thing. So it's like, uh, we, we can't totally abandon, abandon that, abandon that, that look. So that was Darcy um, really kind of coming up with that idea and keeping that, you know, the vintage look, but yet more modern. And right. um, yeah, like, you know, once we kind of got it out there, we're like, man, this is, this is pretty awesome. Um, so that was really her, her, you know, because I, I even said maybe we should just keep the uniform. I mean, people were just so, you know, goo goo gaga over the uniform that um, 
it was it was crazy. So I'm glad we did what we did. Well, I've said before that uniforms have changed, obviously, to anyone that's been paying attention the last decade a lot. They've changed a ton over the course of eight years, since 2016, really, when the Bluecoats had that very innovative uh, show in uniform. But I feel like things went too far past the sweet spot with the craziness. And it's, I actually predicted a year or two ago, I was like, you're, you're going to see a pullback, I think. Because some of those years, some of those uniforms cores were coming out in were a little just too odd yeah, for a lot it, of drum core fans. And I, I think you are starting to see, like with you guys, that pullback happen. Right. It's good to see groups like what you guys did. And I really liked uh, the Cavaliers where there's hints of like that tradition. Uh, even BD where they have the colors in there and stuff like that. Um, but yeah. Let's get in. Uh, let's get into some of these beats. Uh, we'll yep. pick your brain a little bit, and then yeah. All right. Thank you to Drumline Archives, by the way. As you all can see, this is free advertising in the logo on the screen for the last six minutes. But uh, <laughs> provides great content. Go check out the channel if you haven't before. All kinds of lot videos from this past summer. So, all right, yeah, let's jump in. This book already, and I said it from the beginning of the season, reminds me of like those 90s books and early 2000s a lot. Just like the momentum and just the, the structure of the phrases. Yeah, well, it's, it's funny. I go through, I've been doing it for a long time, and, um, you know, you say that, and I, I kind of go through these, I don't know what you want to call it. Like I had, like I always kind of have a strategy in how I want to write and what's the next thing I want to change. And, um, you know, I'm very fortunate to be able to do it for such a long time and, and, you know, consider myself still in the game coming up on 60, but I'm always trying to learn. I'm always trying to, you know, I'll sit and watch drum cores. I'll watch two, the drum cores two or three times and I'll, I'm like, Hey, that's cool. What's that over there? That's cool. And then when I get into writing some of the music there, like I said, there's kind of a strategy. And I think my strategy this year was, you know, I am who I am and the cadets are who they are. And maybe I shouldn't think too much about, <laughs> you know, the next rudiment or the next pattern or the next, maybe it should just be, should we just focus on doing what we do, you know, play well, be exciting and be accessible to the audience um, you know, and I guess I think there's a reason why, you know, kids like coming to the cadets. So I don't want to say I kind of got back to my roots, but, you know, sometimes I'll step out outside a little bit and then I go, yeah, well, what's wrong with what I'm doing? You know, so this year was a lot of, hey, I'm just going to do my thing, you know. So it's interesting you you kind of said that because, um, you know, that's I guess that's where my brain was just to go, hey, I'm just going to write. I'm not going to think too hard. Um, you know, because I, if I think too hard, I could torture myself a little bit and, <laughs> and never get anywhere, you know? <laughs> well, no, it was really fun to watch just cause like I grew up on those nineties and early two thousands lines and stuff. And it was almost nostalgic, even though I obviously didn't march in those lines. Like I listened to them so much. It just stuck out to me instantly from like 60 seconds of listening. I was like, this has a kind of older school feel from when, yeah. when all those drum trophies were won and like the style of the writing. So I think it worked really well. And clean yeah. never goes out of style. That is a hundred percent true. So I, you know, I, I kept, I kept pushing to the staff and everyone. I said, clarity, quality, cleanliness, cleanliness, and musicianship. Those are my four things. Um, now our goal was to be great, to be excellent, to be entertaining. You know, we wanted, I wanted people to walk out of the, the stadium hearing music, right? I mean, there were just a lot of things that the cadets brought for decades that we wanted to continue to do, but yet add a, kind of a modern twist. So, you know, this clarity, whole... Clarity, quality, cleanliness, musicianship. And musicianship. That would work. All right. Yeah, those I, are the four things that I used can, to kind of say. You, you can know? back those till the end of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like... It, you know, like we, you you grew up in you guys grew up in drum corps so it's you know you, your goal is shouldn't be to hey win that trophy or come into first it, or come in first place it's 
you know, your goal is to individually be as strong and as good as you can be. And if everyone does that, then you go out and you perform at a level where I call it like the wow factor, where people sit there and go, wow, this is incredible. Right. Um, and I feel like we've, you know, Hey, we were in sixth, you know, we didn't win, but people sat there and when they were entertained and, you know, they saw vintage kind of a vintage look and a cadet sound. Um, so, you know, I guess getting back to the way I wrote was, Hey, I'm just going to be cadets. I'm going to do what I do. And I'm not going to, necessarily worry so much about you know what the next thing i need to do um you know from a writing style or whatever a pattern right it was and especially coming off of 2021 we weren't really sure what the talent was going to be and you know um we didn't really have those like i said those road tested kids kids that did a full tour so i i like what it's funny we had a staff meeting day of finals and i was the i'm also the program facilitator so i said all right i want to thank the staff you know matt strat you guys did a great job and i thanked everyone and then i, I looked around and i went you know what i want to thank myself i think i did a really good job i like what i wrote <laughs> <laughs> and they, i like they said, what you wrote yeah i really like really what you wrote you know because i think sometimes you know someone like me that's been doing it for a long time you know people don't think that i need to you know, hear a compliment about what I did. I, I like that. When if people like what I like, it makes me feel good, you know? So Everybody sure, likes yeah. that. Especially how much to... time and effort you put into Yeah. Everyone likes that. Like if anyone tries to say they don't, they're probably lying. Right. <laughs> so we're all we're all a little vain at times. Yeah. It's good for you. Like yep. a little vanity and then humility mixed in together, it's fine. Yeah. Alright, all right. let's keep going. Let's keep going. Here's some yeah. more beats here. One thing I will note uh, from my <laughs> yeah somebody said it in there is it's probably Brian. It um, was. Pause real quick, but the way that they play, I do feel like has modernized. Like the beats are very traditional, but it does feel more fluid and look mm -hmm. more fluid um, yeah. all across the battery. As just far as the quality of sound is still there, but the touch seems a little more open and warm as far as the grip in the hands. Uh, which I feel like is a more modern approach than, let's say, 94, 93 cadets played. Yeah, well, I think think some of it is, I know I've learned, you know, more about technique. I, you know, it's funny, what I do at Dartmouth helps me at cadets. What I do at cadets obviously helps me at Dartmouth. So, you know, I teach elementary, middle, and high school, and so I'm always trying to figure out ways to get the kids to understand the mechanics of playing, you know, the fulcrums, the fingers, the wrist, the forearm, and Right. What do I need to teach them in order to be able to understand that, play at a higher level? And then so kind of bring that to the cadets or I'll do something at the cadets or some someone will say something um, at the cadets. And I go, hey, you know what? That's kind of cool. It's interesting. The first time I really talked about velocity was when I went to the Blue Stars. We played with a lot of that. <laughs> we did. And I never and I don't know if it was Joel Hilbert or. Someone mentioned that, and so that's one of the 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 words or the the approaches that I use when I talk about you know the touch. It's the velocity of the stick, and so I think we've just you know I know I have evolved and I've just learned more. So um, and you know especially when you're playing on these kind of heads, you have to use the, the rebound is real important. I think back in the early '90s, we didn't really know how to play on these. On the Kevlar heads, you know, even though this is a, a suede max, you know, the early 90 version of the, the flam and all that was we didn't know what we were doing. So <laughs> we were just got to figure it out. And I think now you realize that in order to play on on a snare with with these kind of heads, you know, there, there has to be more more of the rebound that's being used and you can't play. The way, you know, we did in the 80s or even the early 90s. And so. I think we just all, I know I've, I've evolved. Um, it's just, and I'm, I'm always trying to, I'm always figuring out new ways. Like we had, we had band camp for the last two weeks and we did some stuff and I got, well, I didn't get that message across. All right. Let's try the next day. And then I said something was like, you know what? Can you just play harder? And the kids played something. I went, Oh, it was basically just telling them to play harder. 
I was just trying to go with like, hey, can we get a little bit more velocity? Use the back fingers. And I just said, can you play harder into the drum? <laughs> yeah, right? the information definitely changes depending on, I would say, the intellectual capability of the student or just how mature of a player the student is for sure. Those yeah. abstract concepts like velocity and stuff, it's like, okay, I understand what you mean. But <laughs> Yep, that's funny. Now you, right. can, you can hear the open, open, relaxed hands on the rolls, especially from you guys this summer. You had very beefy yeah. rolls, but it wasn't choked. It was very open. You could tell the hands weren't, sque weren't squeezing, but there was enough weight still to really make them very full. That was one of the main things that stood out. I think there was just a bunch of, let's see. You didn't write this body, did you? Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I think Darcy wrote it. Noah got that. some he got some attention this summer. He's very animated. I want to back up. They just played a really really good triplet role a second ago. So um, obviously we know it, and I think a lot of people do. But just for um, informational purposes, the guy in there in the front, uh, Noah, is Tom's son, one of his sons. So had the luxury of having both your kids, Alan on yeah. staff, Noah in the line there with you during the summer, which is a pretty unique and awesome experience, I'm sure. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was definitely pretty cool because, you know, we were talking about this before we got on here that, you know, when you have kids and, you know, as, as a as a parent, you know, you I think everyone dreams like, hey, it would be cool if if my kids are involved in something I really love, whether it's, you know, baseball or, I don't know, playing something, you know, and and. So I always thought, like, it'd be really cool to have my kids involved in drum corps. Now, I never really forced them. It was whatever they really wanted to do. Um, but it was really, it was, it was pretty exciting. You know, people say, how is that? And I was like, man, it's just, it's, it's the best thing ever. When you have both <laughs> your kids, like your, your, my oldest was teaching. Um, and then my, my youngest is in the snare line. And, and so there's that connection that you may not get as a parent if you don't have this like drum corps you know like sometimes if kids and parents can't meet and they you know they, they love they all love baseball together or they you know, like i said they you know they do things together like camping this this is what this is baseball <laughs> camping for us right <laughs> yes yes but yeah he's a he's he's a very animated performer um which you guys are always very good at performing at dartmouth so yeah well i think that's where he got it from because he was always like that in the line now if you you know he's he, he, i have, i'm lucky i have two two great boys but he is he really quiet now i know this is hard to believe but i was really quiet until i started you know marching drum corps i mean i was the kid in the back of the classroom that just never said anything and an introvert Noah was a lot like Al was a lot like that too and and but you can see how how he just perform. comes through yeah yeah it just comes, comes through out as, yeah pretty cool yeah all right, let's go. I'm always fascinated with how all of you at the top of the game in terms of writing, writing find ways to not let groove sections get monotonous. Right. Like there was like a backbeat to that whole phrase, but it was interesting the whole time and they were doing different things every time that like backbeat stayed behind everything it never got monotonous yeah well that is tough sometimes and when you're when you're doing when you're writing to so the st louis blues piece which that that section was um written for i saw a band do it and you know i was i always want to give credit where it's due so it was a band up in new england man that's a, that's cool so i went to the band director and he goes oh that's stevie wonder and um herbie hancock so i looked it up you know, not thinking I would ever use it. And when we t started talking about, you know, the show going from New York to California and this, you know, going into the St. Louis, St. St. Louis blues and all that. Um, I was like, man, so I brought that piece up and that's, I was like, this, this, this is perfect. Um, but 
you know, when you're when you're writing like the groove, you know, you want to make it interesting. You want to, but you want the groove to be there. So you want to drum coreize it a little bit, but you still have to have that kind of thing. But right. you know, you don't want to do that for 32 counts unless, you know, it's just you want to, you know, you want to be in spice it up. Yeah, yeah. So you have yeah. to kind of spice it up a little bit. So, um. You know, I really enjoyed writing to this piece. Um, I'm a jazz, I got my master's in jazz drum set. Nice. At Rutgers. And so, you know, I like, I like writing to that kind of, that kind of music, I guess it, this isn't really jazz, it's funk, but you know what I'm saying? Like where there's. That's a, that's a group definite that, stylistic change to jazz and funk and that stuff is, it's got a very distinct feel to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I always, I always try to, I always find it fascinating how to do the how to keep the groove and the style and the funk but yet yeah, drum coreize it you're gonna make it so it's you know there's some beef to it that kids love to play and it's it's exciting exciting to um you know to kind of watch and listen to yeah it's cool uh now before we watch the bass feature i backed up a little bit who did you give the tech a skeleton or did you write the bass feature i wrote the bass feature nice i mean yeah I only ask because sometimes techs will get to put a lot of input, like quad techs, bass techs, and like yep. oh, I've heard of a lot of arrangers just like, hey, it's four bars, here's the skeleton, go crazy, you know? So and I would curious. say this is uh, this is one skill set that has definitely evolved over the years that you probably weren't writing hand-to-hands 10 years ago. <laughs> no, no. So interesting, you know, I guess history with the bass drums and my philosophy and all that. So... You know, I've kind of been through it all. I, you know, like the '80s, the '90s, the early 2000s. It was, you know, the cadets played a certain way. It was the, you know, it was the East Coast style of playing. And you know, we get into, you know, I leave cadets, and you know, I kind of come back, and you know, we want to. People say, "Hey, we want to bring the the holy bass into the 21st century," and I said, "Okay, well, what does that mean?" <laughs> and so, you know, they're they're showing me all these different patterns and all these things. And I said, well, that's really cool. But, you know, you got to find places where they can go. So if you go, if you look back on like 17 and 18, we had some, some things that just really never really, I had to change them, but then, you know, I had some base text that threw them in there, but never really fit into the, the fabric of what I wrote with the, with the rest of the drum line. So, you know, over the course of the last three years, I said, you know, I'm going to, Cause I used, to, I used to always write everything. And I said, you know what, I'm going to write my, my, what I do, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw in stuff that is 21st century, I guess. And, um, so it, it has, like, I always like these where it's like, you know, like these heritages and it's, mm-hmm. you know, you get one drum playing the downbeats and everyone plays the, right. So right. you hear that in there. And then the fours at a certain tempo just have a, a beefiness to it and then these hand here's what's funny the i wrote this and i knew they could do the hand hands and it was only about two counts long so we're at spring training and i'm sitting over talking to one of the visual guys and they're they're playing the bass feature and i go you know what i wonder if i added more hand to hand so i walked up in the field and i said hey how long can you play that (laughs) i don't know i said can you do two yeah do two can you do can you do a couple more counts? Let's just do a couple more counts. <laughs> That's so, awesome. You know, I, didn't, I didn't really know. I mean, some of it is, you, you know, you know, some of these modern, you know, things that bass drums can do, but how long can you do it without like losing the quality and the cleanliness and all that? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. So this, this one, this one actually came out pretty well, like compared to maybe some of the other stuff that, like 2017, we did a bass feature, and I don't, probably don't remember that one. But so I wrote it, and then, you know, the bass text like, "Hey, you know, do you mind if I mess with that?" And I went, "I guess. I mean, is there something wrong with it?" <laughs> <laughs> so I said, "That's fine. I don't. Hey, listen, I'm whatever." So he messed with it, and he added some stuff in there, and I went, "Okay." Now they never could play it, so he he went, you know, he left. And I was out on tour, and I said, "Bass, do you remember the first one I played? I taught, or we, I wrote." It's like, "Yeah, come, all right, let's play that." One. 
So from then on, we played it, and we always got an applause. And wow some factor. Of is, well, some of it is just, you know, like you got to know what drums can do what, where where you should end, um, dynamically. You know, it's it's hard to end soft at the bottom. I mean, there's just certain things I've learned over the years that, and the newer version, just was all over the place. Like you couldn't you couldn't understand where things are at. So sometimes it's. You know, it's, it's trying to figure out how do you get to the, the coolest bass stuff, but you got to do it. And I think you got to do it in a way where your ear can hear it. Kids can perform it. There's consistency. There's quality. Right. Make sense, I guess. It has know? to be digestible on like a first yeah. take. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, but this one, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of this one. <laughs> Let's no, listen it's, to it's it. Cool. All right. Here we go. Get, hit us with it. Nice. <laughs> I can hear Brian Byer in the background. You always can. Yeah. The stuff coming up here is some of the, this is the stuff I really love writing. Good roll. Good, good interplay. Yeah, Brian's just saying everything in the background that I, I want to, so. There's literally Brian. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, pause real quick. This will be a short one, but how the lot has evolved into its own just Show. identity over the years. Um, I feel like maybe later or like earlier in the '90s and even early 2000s, the the lot was almost kind of like a sanctuary, but now it's like a party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah well you know it's um that we always we always talk about the lot thing and, and in the 80s when i was with Nair Tech, you know we were not a lot drumline we were always trying to practice and i mean the, the warm-up was a practice it wasn't a warm-up and so we would track or you know i'm blowing lug casings and fixing drums and and you know because the cadets were we usually were overtime. We were always taking stuff out or fixing stuff. And so it was always, uh, that was always our moment, like to maybe do some practicing instead of warming up. So that was the eighties, you know, the nineties, it was a little bit different. Um, but we were never the, you know, we were never the blue devils. We were never, you know, you go to, a, you know, even in the eighties you go there and it was, that was a show in itself. Um, and I'm not sure. I think it might have just been the core, maybe. You know, we were more regimented and, you know, and we kind of grew up. The cadets were about changing and fixing and adjusting. And like the Blue Devils and Vanguard was like, you pretty much, whatever you went out with, that's what you did. And just just a whole different, you know, I guess, vibe. Um, and we're a little bit still like that, where it's like, we don't we don't go to practice anymore. We do. It's all about warming and warming up and getting them ready for the show but you know you want you watch the blue coats and that's you know that's definitely a show in itself yeah right. how, very much so uh, yeah and it's cool i love all that and you know like so we have these a lot of these exercises and we do in the winter um i think they're really cool but somewhere along the way we get we drop them because now we get into these what we call like breakdown exercises and it breaks down a specific section in the show. They're right. really short. And so what happens is you get focused on that. And so when you go into the warm-up, you know, we're playing some, you know, we're playing some eights. You know, we have a longer version of the eights and all that and play some roles. But then we're in subs doing these breakdowns, doing these checks. Check patterns, and then yeah. we're into the music. You know, so it's just, you know, I guess it's a philosophy. Um but 
you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I, we, we've tried to fight it, I guess, you know, like I, sometimes I kind of go, eh, I think we need to like, go, go, you know, and, but, but then once we get into trying to clean and try to get everything at, at the highest level and development, developing the skills so the kids can play with a, with a quality and a clarity and a cleanliness that, it I mean, a classic, you know? a classic axe and tap where you're really working on downstrokes and taps can never go out of style. It's pretty funky, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we, I mean, we have a lot of cool exercises that that I, I wrote that we still use. I think they're really cool, and um, but somehow they just, they, they kind of, you know, they, they, they do their purpose. And then all of a sudden we have these breakdowns and, you know, so now when the day of, you know, when you're practicing, you, you, you focus more on doing those breakdowns and, and what we need to do to, um, you know, to get the kids to play at a higher level. So, and then finite amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. Well then what happens is if you try to bring back those exercises, you're like, yeah, I don't think we should do that. <laughs> we're, we're not going to play this for anybody. Yeah. We're just uh, going to leave that there in the past and move on. All right, let's see. I think I'll let say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, the fours just speak so well. Just yeah. That's a little trade-off. Yeah, so there, that, that, that section, so a lot of this music was written back in 2019. So what you just saw there was 19. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, it was because this the show was for 2020. Right. And um, so, you know, it's, it's funny, like, I don't, you know, I definitely have certain, certain things that I like to do that I think are kind of cool that, you know, generate fact excitement the kids like to do them and so in in like 18 and 19 i was into some of these split fours um you know we're kind of like AB every other person yeah ab kind yeah, of yeah. thing you know? and um and so i've kind of gotten you know like i think if i rewrote if i would rewrite some of this stuff i may not have done that but um you know i just it was one of those like i was in that in in that zone in, in 19 and but you know, I still, it's, it, it's still, I still like listening. Like, I like, I like the lot just to go see everyone. But I'm still one of these guys that likes to sit in the stands and listen to the music, and see how the the, the drum stuff goes with the brass, and, right? And see yeah. how that, see how the drum stuff is written, and does it stylistically drive the horn line, or does it get in the way? I mean, I'm, I guess, I, I don't know. That's maybe that's old school. That's something I learned from Tom Hannum is the music will drive, you know, your, your writing style. And I, I mean, there's definitely kind of the point. Like, go ahead. I, was, I think that's kind of the point. Like it's supposed to complement one another and create interesting, intriguing music and in a show for the audience. Like that's the whole goal. Right. Well, that's why I enjoy writing for or writing with Jay Bocook, because when I listen to his music, there's something rhythmic now here's another interesting story so he, you know he writes on finale and forever he would send recordings and um it was always piano so everything was piano you know the trumpet sounded like piano and and so I, I learned how to write to that so when you have one sound and it's a piano on everything there's some there's some kind of rhythmic synergy that happens that I love. I would. I'd love to write to his music. So, when he came back this year, 
now all of a sudden he has all these horn sounds. So <laughs> I said, can you send me a piano version of this? <laughs> so we can hear that, that synergy of the rhythms because it would, it would, it would, it would help me be creative with what I was writing. Um, and now all of a sudden I got these real brass sounds and it's just like, Oh, I'm not used to that. Um, yeah. So it was, you know, it's, it's interesting writing with this guy for, you know, 30 some years and just something as simple as the sounds that he puts, you know, he, he writes on now. So he, he sent me, he said, yeah, I can send, I can send a, you know, I can send the version with the piano sounds. I like, that's cool. So, <laughs> but you spoke earlier too, about a lot of the times you do or would like to write all, all skate all the time, like all the battery, but that section that we just listened to, I feel like is a, good representation of I, I don't want to say that you n never wrote segmentally but just like yeah. really good segmental writing like you had the bass thing then you pass the ball over to the tenors over to the snares and then it builds into this full battery ensemble um so you get that kind of like trading off and i'm imagining it with the the show of like what's going on with like the low brass mid brass high brass to where you you're kind of complementing those voices yeah well i you know i think you i mean i grew up listening you know like tom hannum taught me I, I taught with with tom and back in the 80s it was like if the mellophones played the quads played that part if the snares played they played the trumpet part if the you know the low brass played the bass drums played so i grew up in that you know whatever you want to call that that style of writing right. and then you know over the course of just doing it for a long time you know you realize like well yeah you don't have to follow that rhythmically you don't even have to necessarily follow it dynamically um, and you can do maybe something different. So there, there's things that I, that I do when I write and I look at the brass or like one of them is I look at the brass and I go, man, there's a lot going off, going on right now. So what I got to do is I got to make it simple and I got to make sure I'm driving that dense brass stuff. So sometimes, you know, especially in this piece, I tried to be more open and I tried to not have... Like, you know, there's one spot that's coming up here. The basses go, and they keep that going for, you know, it's probably 64 counts. And then I layer in the snares and the quads because of how much stuff was going to add in with the brass. And I just kind of, I just, it was almost like a groove I kept that, so I wouldn't get into in the way of the brass. Um, because I was thinking of the clarity of the total ensemble. I mean, that's that's one of right. my things. Is I want, yeah, I want I want to play all the beef. I want to, you know, I want to play that, you know, whatever kids want to play. But I got to think about the music. I got to think about the overall sound and 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 the ensemble clarity. So, you know, sometimes you might see some stuff in the park in in, in the lot and go, yeah, there's not much to that. But then you got to realize what that's going with with the horns or even the front ensemble. That's a point um, I feel like a lot of people don't think about. You're, like most yeah. fans are kind of just like, well, that's a boring slow. Well, it's perfect <laughs> when you hear it with the horns. So, or yeah. with Why what the front doing. Why does ostinato last so long? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, yep. I think you have to, you have to, I mean, you know, some of the best drum set players are not always, you know, trying to fight against the, you know, the jazz band. I mean, some of the, you know, you hear guys playing and they know when it's their turn and then they know it's when it's, it's not their turn and, and they have to just drive the band. Um, That's a good point. Knowing your turn and just like everybody is going to have their time to shine and like, we're here to support rather than drown out. So. Yeah. Yep. And, and again, I think, you know, I'll just, you know, I'll throw Tom's name in there again. I mean, he's, you know, that's stuff I just kind of learned. I don't think we actually ever sat down and talked about it. It was just, me observing you know what he did and even at crown when i was there for a couple of years um you know same kind of thing he he was always that's that's his forte is when he has to support he can make a brass section sound really good and not you know get in the way of what the music is saying to everyone that's sitting there you know so but this this piece was a lot like that where i just i, I wanted to create an energy and a style that was driving the horn line um, in a way that, you know, it's like a good drum set player, just maybe not doing a lot of stuff, but man, just had a nice swing and a nice push. 
that that moved the jazz band along in in, in such a way that was you know it felt good right heck yeah yeah let's get let's listen let's digest it get into this there it is yeah Layering in. The build was paced really, really well. Well, you know what's interesting about that that whole build? So I mentioned this earlier about the dynamics. Um, you know, sometimes you're right. You don't write dynamics based on what you see that is in the score. You write dynamics based on what you're maybe trying to say stylistically or how you're trying to, you know, build a phrase or like I knew where we were going to be visually. And so, right. you know, I mean, this is this was cadet run and gun. You know, it was 202 beats a minute. And I knew what we were going to be able to like what where we were going to be staged and how we were going to kind of, you know, we weren't. I'm not. I wouldn't have. I'm not going to necessarily have to fight with the brass side to side. They're going to be in front and all that. So there was a lot of factors that played in in how I wrote stuff. Um, and if you looked at if you looked at the brass score, if you added up the dynamics the brass played as this thing builds, it was maybe a couple. If you looked at my score, man, it was like every other measure there was something that, you know, like I, I, I like all of a sudden I wanted to hear and then. And it would stick out above, you know, the the texture of the sound of what the brass were doing, and you know, just a little. Again, like I always go back to drum set, like you know, a drum set player, and all of a sudden you're a little accent here and there, yeah, 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 a little bass thing. So, I think my jazz background, like I write like that, where it's like I want to hear that one little ping, or you hear that one snare roll that is up and down, but the brass aren't doing that. It just, it just fits in nicely where there's a little bit of a pocket. So when you get upstairs, you go, "Hey, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. Oh, wow, that's cool." You hear that um, one little accent pattern on the bell of the rise of, ping, ping. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And, you know, so that this piece was a lot. I enjoyed writing this one because it it was it was probably more vintage, cadets because it was fast. It was, you know, I one. We started at 192, and then we went 194. Then we started at 200, and we went 202. And I have this whole philosophy. I don't know if you know about this. I have this whole philosophy with with tempo. So um, in the old days, I would just have a cowbell. You know, I have a little metronome on, on the side of my ear. And I knew where the drum line would hang stuff. So what I would do is I'd go faster on the cowbell, even though the metronome didn't go faster. So I knew those spots. <laughs> And so, um, so over the course of, of doing this and doing ensemble, I call it the human factor where, so if you practice at 200 and there's spots where they struggle a little bit because of, you know, the physicality or the music, eventually you, you, they're going to drop. So instead of 200, it might be 198. So we always practice a click or two above. So when it drops, it drops to the 200. Right. Because I'm all about energy. I think I think the drum line, you know, what they can bring to the table that maybe the horns can't is a drive and an energy and a consistency of, of tempo. So every piece that we did except the ballad, you know, it's always a couple clicks up. And so we end up playing that faster tempo and then we go one more up to practice that. But what that does throughout the season too is it just seems like there's more energy in the music by the time we get to the end, I guess. Um, For but sure. I, you know, it was always like when I worked with Gino, I couldn't talk about it with brass guys. They're like, well, no, we can't do that. So I would just <laughs> tell the drum majors, I'd, I'd cue them. And I, you know, I'd just like point up to the sky or, you know, I'd say, all right, today we're going to use some our magic dust, right? And, you know, Gino, Gino was always when I worked with him, he's like, what are you doing? I go, I'm not doing anything. What are you talking about? So, you know, we just get it, you know, we'd click it up. And I remember the one time he found out, he goes, I know you've moved this up. We can't play that. I go, dude, we've been playing it, you know, 
We've been doing it for three weeks. We've been doing it for three weeks. <laughs> I remember at Blue Stars, you'd, cut, you'd go talk with the Met guy. Yeah. Who was running the Met and say, wouldn't let the horn line know. You would just walk back there and he goes, if anybody from the tower asks you what the tempo it is, just tell them it's the right tempo. Right. Have it two clicks faster. Just keep telling them it's the right I explicitly remember you doing that multiple times at Blue Stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, see, you know, like one of the things that, um, you know, especially at cadets, you know, we we play some aggressive physical stuff that, yeah, I, I always equate it to like weightlifting too. So if you, you know, if you want to lift consistently, let's say three hundred pounds, you know, well, you you probably have to go and lift three three hundred five, three ten. Yeah. So now when you go back to three hundred, it's easy same kind of thing so you know if you want to play fast rolls at 192 you got to practice at 196 yeah and then when yeah. you go back it's you know it's just like it's like cutting butter same thing um, visually because that's what i yeah. do with like the high school i'm like look the opener's at 168 but we're gonna work our fundamentals up to 180 so 168 feels like cake <laughs> yeah well that's yeah that's just that's exactly what you want to do and it's almost like after you after you do that and you come to the real tempo the kids just kind of it, it feels more relaxed and they feel like they can do it. It's like when you when you learn something that's really fast, you're like, my God, this is fast. And then but when you practice a little bit above that and then you sit on top of it, then the tempo doesn't seem fast. And and and, and again, there's an energy to the to the music and the ensemble. And that's something I've always done. And I think that just came from me knowing when when I was doing the cowbell in the 80s. You know, like when the drum line or the core was slow, I wouldn't tell anyone. I just, like cowbell faster. <laughs> More cowbell faster. <laughs> More cowbell. More cowbell. <laughs> All right. We got like a minute left in this video. Let's knock yeah. this out, and then we'll wrap this sucker up. Yep. Classic bass. I was going to say the, the bass, classic uh, holy bass yeah. visual. Good segment. This is like another great segmental trading. Just Shirley Murphy's. You threw a yeah. lot of threes in the middle of stuff this, this year. Another AB. Yep. Oh, nice fast doubles. The kick. So that's yeah, one thing. Throwback. I think this will be a great way to just kind of like cap this off too. We talked earlier about the readability and how do you can digest that's one thing about this book that is very enjoyable to listen to is because you can appreciate and understand the demand right away like i caught those shirley murphy's on that read like no questions asked you you know what it is you can hear it and one quarrel that i do have with like over modernizing percussion writing or marching drumline writing is these like hemiolas that are like fivelets built into ninelets built in over the bar line of this is like right. being weird just to be weird. It's like, yeah. I can tell that that's like <laughs> metrically hard, but I, I don't even really understand it. So my appreciation for it diminishes. And on a one-time read, it's like, dude, is that hard? Or are you just playing like quarter notes at a time? Like, I don't even know, but what just happened there in that small segment, everything's in time. You can tell where it's supposed to be. And you can understand what it's supposed to be. So the book is very, very accessible Readable. to, I would yeah. say, not even just an average fan, but just most fans and most adjudicators. <laughs> yeah, well, I think it, I think I think that some of it too is you know you're you got to think about you know people on a one on a quick read, right? You got to they got to mm -hmm. analyze what's going on, um, you know, and some of it too is you know, what feels, what feels good in the hands. Like, again, this, this begin, this was begin, the beginning of, of pitchfork, which was, um, you know, we started at one, one sixty four and we ended up at one sixty one sixty six. Um, but it, so when I started writing, so I'll, I'll listen to the music and I'll, you know, I'll write patterns down. I'll write what feels good. And I mean, I, I'm still looking at some of the stuff I wrote from, from the summer here and it's just on a piece of paper. Sometimes I'll do that for two or three days and then I'll go back into the music because the music starts to, it'll speak to me in a way where I'm like, oh, I can use that. That's cool. Yeah, that doesn't really fit because it, it, it makes the, it, it 
turn it, the, it makes the, the the music feel awkward right um, so there's there's always a feel for me there's always a you know I try to pace things I try to sometimes I'll push things sometimes sometimes like this whole thing to me is I like what I did because it there's a stylistic approach to it it's like a it's like a hoedown right I mean if you, <laughs> if you heard the heard the pit play it has a hoedown feel to it the hornland did a hoedown so I wanted it to make it feel like if what is a what does a hoedown feel like when I'm when you're playing rudimentally and then I wanted to show some stuff like dynamically and then I wanted to show some you know some velocity that you know maybe you probably shouldn't play that one sixty six, right? And I said, no, we can do that. So the speed change is was important to me, and um, so I think it's cool. There's a lot of things in here. I really, you know, again, I, I know it's probably sounds weird. I like what I did, but um, I, you know, sometimes before I put a rubber stamp on it and I send it out, um, I go through a lot of torture. I, I kind of, man, I, I can't tell you how many times <laughs> I write stuff. It's crazy. It's crazy, and then, but I will not send anything out until I feel 100% that that's it. That's it. Um, I'm not one of these guys that, you know, well, let's send this out and try that. Let's send that. No, man, I, I'm all about, like, really kind of torturing myself and over and over and over and over and um, until I go, yep, that's it. I got the feel right. I got the style right. Can they play it clean? You know, um, you know, are we going to be able to blend this with the keyboards? Because there was some cool keyboard stuff that went with this. And, um, yeah, so, I don't know. It just There's a, there's so many factors that I think people don't realize go into writing stuff. I mean, no, it's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. And I know we, Evan and I probably don't even know. I mean, we're learning stuff right now just talking to you tonight. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's, it's – uh, no, I enjoyed the hell out of what you all did this summer. I thought you played really, really well, finished well at the end competitively. Um, I mean, there were a, it's Put out just, a great product, which is what that's yeah. what that's what you want. I sat I in your that. all's finals lot, right, basically two feet from Alan, just right in front of you all, and enjoyed the hell out of it. It had the wow factor. It had that throwback um, kind of feel to it, to those cadets lines that I grew up watching, but with the new school twist and. Yeah, I mean, that's all I really have to say. You had a hell of a summer. It was awesome to watch. Well, you just saying that, you made my night. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well. That. That is, that's, a, that's important to me, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Evan, you got anything else? We ready to close this out? I'm good, man. I just I really appreciate the time and you like taking us through all that and just your philosophies and nuance and your approach to the activity. It's just it's really fun for me to learn as an educator as well from from you guys who do it on the, yeah. the highest level well, i appreciate it and I, I love coming on i think you guys do you know great work i love i love listening and um so yeah any anytime let me know i got i got school tomorrow <laughs> so i gotta get up at 6 30 but um Oof. it's been awesome yeah <laughs> no but yeah you're welcome at any time so uh all right Let's wrap this up. Everyone, I forgot to say it at the beginning, but uh, head over to LoneStarPercussion.com. Use the discount code AGEDOUT. Save yourself $10 on anywhere or $50 or more. Check us out on social media. You know, uh, Check out the podcast. This kind of turned into a podcast. I think I'm actually going to break this into two YouTube videos. Uh, we're recording this on <laughs> Sunday, August 28th. So the first one will go out tomorrow. The one will go after the day after that on Tuesday. So, yeah, social media, Instagram, Facebook, Lone Star uh tom it's been great i'm sure we'll talk and we'll hopefully see you soon all right guys thank you take care peace <laughs>